It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design with Jason and friends. It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, March seventh, and you're listening to episode five hundred and ten. As always, I'm your host, Jason, joined today by Jamie Sabriel Flez, uh, holding up numbers for me to make sure I don't get the episode wrong and then throwing up the metal <laughs> after that. So <laughs> and uh, so before uh, before we get talking, we also have another special guest, uh, and that is Micah Thomas, who uh, d- game designer who uh, we met through the Discord channel. Because the Discord yes, channel is yes, awesome. Yes, 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 welcome, yes, Micah. Yes, yes, yes. It's funny. I was like, I feel like Micah was just on recently, but it's been like, oh, it's been like sixteen episodes. So it's, it's been a while. That's, I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot of episodes, but it's it's many weeks. You it's, know? Been, yeah. it's been it's a still minute. not the longest gap of episode between me being on episodes. Yeah, but Jamie's never going to let me live that down. <laughs> <laughs> I just vanished for ten months or something. Eight months. <laughs> Something Basically, like yeah, <laughs> and nobody missed me, and that's fine. Oh, but that's you, not true. But you <laughs> know what? <laughs> I'm back. It's Micah Part Two, now featuring she/her pronouns, and that's pretty wicked. That is so. nice. <laughs> Heck yeah! But I know but... I like I like how this this hair we're rocking. Oh, yeah, I maybe I shouldn't talk about her hair because you can't see it. You know, <laughs> if you well, came to the pictures on the Discord, Discord chat, yeah, you could see it. Yeah, because we're actually we've actually started doing video uh, video chats now for our <sighs> weekly meetups. That's not required, but most of us most of us do that all because I think it was Rob started the trend. One day, Rob was just like, uh, not Rob Couch from the show, Rob Bergstrom uh, was just like, I'm turning my video on. I want to see people. I think it was Rob. I, th- I think it was Michael. I thought it was Michael who did it. I think Rob oh, was did it, it Michael? once, like accidentally, okay. but I think the first time it was Michael. Maybe it was Michael. It. Okay. No, you know what? I think it was Michael. I think you're right. Um, sorry, so, yeah. sorry, Michael. Well, I sorry, thought Michael. Should, yeah. for- we made it sound like Rob had a good idea, so he's probably <laughs> would be okay with that. So apparently it was Michael. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, now we do it every week uh, for the most part. And it's it's great because I love seeing all your faces. And, and that check-in has really become just like a fun, like it's just a really nice chat. You know, it's really fun to chat and to hang out. And um, and we certainly do the accountability thing. Um, but, you know, it's also just a fun time of chatting with, mm-hmm. uh, with each other. And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I love it because currently I have Tuesdays off just to do homework. And so that's my first uh, human contact, even though it's at uh-huh. nice. in the evening. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, thank goodness. Nice. I, I actually love it. I was I realized this the other day. So I spent a lot of time growing up. So I'm on the autism spectrum in case I don't know if YouTube knew that I forget. But uh, I believe you told me that before. Mm. Yeah. Long ago in the yesteryear of my life. And so I I spent a long, long time, like not really understanding social interaction. And I always like wanted to talk to people. I am an extroverted human. But the way that I went about it most times is like beginning a conversation by talking about myself, thinking Mm -hmm. in my mind that like, this is how like I will do this. And then the other person will do this and we'll have a great conversation. But that's not how it happened. It's just people thinking I was (laughs) self-centered. And so this accountability meetup is awesome where it's like this really great balance of like yes i will show up for three minutes or i will i will show up the whole time and i will talk about myself for three minutes and then i will get to hear everyone else talk about themselves for way longer this is ideal (laughs) for me (laughs) 
<laughs> this is the way social structures should have been the entire time. Yeah, the whole. I mean, it took me like thirty years to figure out that that's not how you talk to people. <laughs> I'm on the other side now. I can hold conversations more than this accountability meetup. Anyway. <laughs> But yeah, such as so, right now, where I keep rambling about myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's okay. No stress. It's all right. It's all right. Um, well, but we'll move on though. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, but we are going to move on. Um, so, so we because oh, we have we have a lot that I'm sure we're going to talk about today. Um, yeah. So I want to I want to kind of dive in here. Um, uh, if that's all right with you folks. Yeah. Ask, yes. All right. Yeah. I, apparently I'm leading the charge in this according to Jamie. Yeah. So, Micah, what um, are we talking about? I asked you to be on the show so you can take the lead. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie didn't have to do anything. They learned from me. <laughs> no, listen, I'm, I'm trying to be, to be less accidentally self-centered. That's what I'm, I'm so trying used. really hard. I promise. I <laughs> I'm just thinking about like the fact that like it was just me and then I got guest hosts, like regular hosts to have with me, regular co-hosts. And then now the regular co-hosts are bringing guests on and making them do the work. And I'm like, it's like we're getting interns now. Like what's happening here? I will be official BTG intern anytime. I love, I love being here. Uh, Does that mean I'm an employee now? Unpaid, of course. Excellent. Oh, um, climbing up right. the ladder, climbing up the totem pole. <laughs> yeah, eventually you'll if just you be get, Jason. And if you eventually get, you get, I'll be on the website. <laughs> yes. Here's the problem, though. If you get to my position, not only are you not getting paid, but you have to pay for everything. So Ooh. there's that. Yeah. So mm, it's kind I of already a, have one business where I'm already paying for everything. <laughs> <laughs> taxes. Yeah. Taxes me wild. too. I have two plus the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. We have a topic, and it's it's going to sound boring at first, but give us a little slack, okay? <laughs> Way to sell it. Way to sell it. I mean, like, I'm it's in. All in the, it's all in the upsell. So, so <laughs> Jamie reached out to me. I was like, hey, we're going to be talking about mechanisms versus theme. And I was like, all right, I don't want to talk just about mechanisms versus theme because we all do that. Like wow, that, rude. It, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I think you don't, you know, in our brief earlier, um, we wanted to, to extend the conversation a little bit and talk about uh, simulation and games and talk about uh, uh, how can mechanics sort of support the level of simulation in your game and how can themes mm-hmm. support the level of simulation in your game and what's the purpose of all of that? Why do we want our games to have simulation and how do we know the amount of simulation that is appropriate for our given game? Um, and yes. the, and uh, levels of abstraction as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like levels yes. of, of abstraction versus simulation and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I think it, it, when we talk about simulation, I feel like, a lot of people, you like you, you immediately jump to things like like flight simulator, you know, Microsoft Flight Simulator, where it's just this like really crunchy, complex like we've got all these dials and levers, and we're trying to uh, uh, replicate the experience uh, uh, as precisely as possible. 
Um, but I don't think it has to be that way. I think more right, games right. have some form of simulation, uh, even if it's not obvious. Um, because really, yes. in my mind, simulation is tricking the player or the user to think they are doing what the experience should be. Um, and I would, I would say not even having, yeah, it is, I guess yeah, I was going to say it's not tricking, but it really kind of is, right? You're making them feel like they are. And, and really, in essence, you're tricking their brain into being like, I'm fishing, I'm harvesting crops, I'm spoiler alerting about things that are coming, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was foreshadowing. Nice foreshadowing there. And that's really oh, interesting, actually, as a definition of simulation, because that reminds me of my improv days where the best improv scenes are the ones where you just, you fully commit and you sell the thing that your character is doing on stage. You are like mm -hmm. unwaveringly doing the the scene work. It's called you're miming. It's mm. not miming in the improv world, but it's ah. it's miming for all you all all you non improv folks out there. Um, <laughs> like if I if I am miming with my hands, but I'm in non improvs. Yeah, <laughs> non improvs. Oh my non gosh, yeah. the improvs versus the non improvs. It's like a jets versus sharks kind of situation. <laughs> anyway, um, snap battles. So if I'm if I'm like making motions with my hands like i am washing a plate and i put it on the thing and i pick up another and you know if i just commit to that fully and with my whole heart i will sell the illusion that i am washing dishes yeah mm -hmm. and i didn't think about that's what game simulations are doing through yeah. the game mechanics that is cool mm -hmm. so i want to i want to there's one specific game there's a couple games but there's one specific game that i want to bring up for this exactly and have you all played super skill pinball by richard garfield no but richard garfield is a brilliant brilliant game designer sorry not to. richard garfield jeff angles wait yeah it's jeff, jeff I, was Angles. Like, <laughs> I was literally looking it up to like, different Did people jeff design that? I, get, I get richard garfield and jeff Engelsing mixed up i get gil hova and tom vassal mixed up i'm bad jeff with wrote this book richard made magic yeah <laughs> Well, and like forty-five other successful games. Well, various <laughs> levels of successful. He made but King after you made Magic, do you really need to make the other games? <laughs> so you, so quick, quick little fun little story. Richard Garfield made Magic and mm -hmm. gave Wizards of the Coast the rights to publish it, if and only if they signed a contract that for the entire time that they made Magic: The Gathering, they also printed Robo Rally, which mm -hmm. was his first game. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if it was his first game ever, but it was the game he made before Magic. So he's like, sure, you can make Magic as long as you also print Robo Rally. And that so is a, that's a contract Robo that continues Rally? to yeah. this day. And that's yeah. why there's like five different versions of Robo Rally, because they have to keep printing it because they keep making Magic. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's worth it, right? Back. Robo Rally could literally lose them 100k a year and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it no. would still be worth it. Uh, Anyways, you're so not wrong. <laughs> super skill pinball, not Richard Garfield, Jeff Engelstein. Uh, that is a fascinating game. You can actually get a free copy of the game. Um, it's on like BGG and whatever. Um, mm -hmm. they, they have a bunch of different tables and whatnot, but it is a roll and write game. And I've never been, I don't know if I've, uh, maybe this is a little exaggerating, but well, for no, it. I can say this. It is one of the games that like immerses me into the activity more than any other game. 
um, that game, I, you can Whoa. play it with other people, but I like just playing it solo. And you mm-hmm. can keep it, it. Its solo version is you can keep score and see how many points you get. Um, I kind of like doing that, but honestly, the activity of the game is so well executed that I sometimes just forget about the score because I enjoy touching the game and playing it. So mm-hmm. to kind of get a little bit of what it's doing, uh, you essentially you have a pinball table. So you can imagine your basic pinball table. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, print and play. You're going to have two dice and you're going to need like a coin or a meeple or a token to represent your ball. And what you do is you place your ball uh, at the... I'm showing them with a sticky note. You place your ball at the top of the table and the table is uh, separated by three different zones. And mm-hmm. so the, the rule mm-hmm. is the ball... You roll the dice, the ball has to go down a zone. And there's going to be different locations. You know, you might have a paddle that has the number six to it. So you could choose to use that six you just rolled to have it go down. You mark it off, you keep, you roll the dice, you keep going. And mm-hmm. then once you get the ball to the bottom where the flippers are, uh, you can uh, now choose uh, any zone higher than it. So you can move the ball as high as you want. And so if you move oh it gosh. to the center, then next turn you have to push it down. But if you move it to the top, then you push it down and you push it down. And Or if you're at the top, you can choose to skip all the way down. Um, and that alone is so tactile. And it like for me, it's visceral. I, I, I adore it to no end. And, and of course, it's a roll in right? So you're filling out slots. So you're getting less and less options and whatnot mm-hmm. until eventually the ball falls out. Um but that game, it's so, it's simulation. It's simulating gravity um, in a way that is so clean that I, I just, I feel like I'm playing pinball. And it, it, it blows my mind. And I, I played it like a month ago. And it's just, it's, I am so amazed by it because that, that is the design space that I'm trying to find, which is mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we get these like physical, tactile ways we're moving things that we have to move them in a certain way uh that makes it immersive um i uh i have a game like that too but first i want to say um you are now a pinball wizard (laughs) ever since you were a young girl you played the silver ball (laughs) yeah i hope a mean Um, pinball a mean very very angry pinball (laughs) (laughs) it's so mad um there's a game it is an it old like game. Macho Man Randy Savage when you did that. <laughs> did like, I? Oh yeah. I hate That's that. So I I, so, I sometimes the... come out with these voices. I I think I I like pulled them from my improv brain, my performer brain. Like one time, I just randomly started in a playtest, started talking like a surfer dude, uh. and they were like, "Who's who said that?" I was like, "That was me." Nobody believed <laughs> me. It was weird. <laughs> um, what the heck was I gonna say? I got distracted by by Macho Man. You Randy said Savage. there's another game. Um, well, there's always another game. That's the whole point. Oh, right. I was going to talk about Liguria. So this is an old Euro game. Um, it's the predecessor to a game called Fresco, who I think was made by the same people, definitely published by the same company. But Liguria has this thing where, you know, it's a Euro game, so it's not entirely, you know, good simulation. It's some of it's too abstracted out. We'll get to that later. But the part that I really, really love is that the idea is that you're all like teams of explorers gathering goods from islands and the board you set up it's literally islands that have space of empty table between them and Mm -hmm. your little boat 
is a double punch board with the cube holes and you you literally like coast the boat from island to island and you slot the cubes in the little ship and then it keeps going and it makes me so so happy that's cool and so like super tactile things like that make me very excited. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Quacks of Puddler black, uh, flash token that goes yep. on the little dish. I That's my favorite thing about that game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good things about that game material-wise. Yeah, for sure. I like how all the reminder cards are like open books with like sketch drawings of the of the thing like of the mandrake or the yeah um, yes yes yeah and i actually i wish that i had it right here with me i actually printed uh 3d printed uh holders for that where the 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 tokens fit inside of it and then the book slides into it so like it's like the book and then the the tokens are underneath it so it's one of the first things i 3d printed and then when you're when you're done with it a lid slides over it and then they, the pieces can't fall out. It's, it's wow. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. On sale in April on the Building the Game store. I would have to charge so much for that to like make it <laughs> worth my while because it takes so long to print. Maybe an actual suggestion that could be fun. Um, I forget that it's not CAD files. Is it? It's the file type. I forget. Could you share the file type? of? Oh, yeah. The file type I got from Thingiverse. That was not original with me. So Oh, no. sick. It would have been garbage if I'd done it. So yeah, Thingiverse. (laughs) um, I've got a really sweet Marvel one. that I I did hack the Marvel United one where I actually took it in and re-sliced it myself so that I can make it multicolored without having to paint it. Ooh, um, Because I I didn't want to have to paint it. So yeah. After we're done recording, I'll I'll roll over and get that one and show y'all. It's real cool. I like the phrase roll over and get it. Nice thing about... It's behind me on the shelf back there. I can literally just... <laughs> the nice thing about 3D printing those boxes is that is that it makes you really feel like an alchemist pulling ingredients and it adds to the simulation. Way to steer experience. it back. <laughs> so, but it, it does. It really Did you just dab? No, I clapped. You clapped. You were, but I thought you dabbed afterwards. No, God no. All right. All you to all you listeners in Radioland, just pretend Micah dabbed. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, so, um, but so anyways, um, yes, yes. Uh, as Micah was trying to bring us back, um, uh, absolutely. I think having those things do kind of immerse you in the game. They really do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why having like that, that's why like with certain games, it's fun to buy that extra stuff or to print that extra stuff so that you can really feel immersed in the mm-hmm. game. Um, which is you, I think reducing the abstraction uh of it right like Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah. so yeah yeah and i think i think there's kind of we're we're touching on maybe three different uh layers you can sort of dive into with your simulation which there's the mechanics which is super pinball super skill pinball you know you're being told you have to move a thing in a certain way there's components Mm -hmm. which is you know this this that that nice you know you have this flask that you're flipping or you have um, you know, it's junk art and you're building little things out of oh, cubes and whatnot. Great. Like, you know, there's that component immersion. And then there's, of course, thematic inver- in, uh, immersion or simulation. Uh, and I would look at, you know, wingspan. Like, the mechanics of wingspan does, makes no sense to me in regards to birding. But the, <laughs> like, the art 
and the you know all the details and the the quality of the game on it's like hey we're gonna t- we're gonna just tell you about birds and some of it matters about the game but <laughs> not all of it does but that's great because you love it like that that's because you're gonna fantastic. like it yeah you're gonna play do. it and you're gonna like it i regret to inform you that i think i'm pretty much the the only board gamer on the face of the planet at this point who has not yet played wingspan no, and I wish to remedy the, it as soon there, as I can. There are two of us. Oh, <laughs> I haven't played it either. Uh, it's not that I don't want to play it. Um, it's that I buy too many board games. And whenever I'm like at the store buying a board game, that one is like 60 bucks. And, um, and the other ones cost less. Uh, and I'm sure the game is worth it. Like I want to play it at some point. I'm not dogging the game. I, I'm, I've only heard positive things about it. I super want to play it. It's a really cool looking game. Um, but it's just it's just been one where like it's also a longer game. So it's it's kind of like the buy in of like, will my wife enjoy playing this game? And like, that's a barometer for me. Like, I don't buy a game mm. if I don't think my wife's going to enjoy mm. playing it, because especially in the last two years, we play games together and not with anyone else unless it's online. So that makes sense. Wingspan. <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's here's why I think thematic simulation can be so effective and why Wingspan does a phenomenal job at it. Um with Wingspan, because its theme is so charming, uh, it kind of acts as a, 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 a way for people who don't feel like they're understanding the mechanics still enjoy the game. And, and I'll mm-hmm. point to um, that game is what really got my partner into games. Uh, she played it with a bunch of her friends, and it took them like three hours to get through the first game, but they loved just talking about the birds. And so, like, while they're just, you know, trying to play the game, they're also just, and, and it's still one of her favorite games today because it's That's just, great. like, it's so charming that the, we, we've talked about this in the past on the podcast, not me, but, you know, with new gamers, there's this, <laughs> there's this performance anxiety, right? Like, oh, I'm not going to understand the mechanics. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to look dumb, that sort of thing. But the charm of wingspan and it's so thorough and it's so grounded in reality uh it it, it lessens that i'm not going to say it mm-hmm. gets rid of it but it it's so effective in that regard that i think shouldn't be overlooked yeah, yeah. I, there are some themes i think that are scarier than others for new gamers like for sure i've experienced mm-hmm. that with people i used to play with and that is something i've talked about on the show at length uh quite a while ago um and and I agree, like having themes like that where people can be like, oh, yeah, like I, this theme, I can I can understand this theme. Yeah, let's do this. You know, yeah, I the think theme that's... itself is very approachable. I actually um, I have a thing like that with uh, my favorite board game of all time is Clank. Have you played Clank? I've mm-hmm. played it. I've heard of it. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, you've played Wingspan and we've played Clank. So clearly those two board games have to go to war now. Um, so we'll, we're going to fight. Yeah, fisty cuffs. So Clank. Clank is a dungeon diver deck builder. It's a deck building game that has a big giant board and everyone is a thief and they're holding a contest to be who's going to be the best thief and the dungeon belongs to a dragon. So basically you're like raiding a dragon castle and you're diving down deep below below the castle into the basement the catacombs grab an artifact grab all the loot you can on the way the dragon knows the dragon's mad at you the dragon's attacking you you have to fight monsters and stuff and move around and all this nonsense stuff is going on but 
um, with one house rule, but then also a bunch of things that are integral to the game and like built baked into the game. I find that it is of the more complex games that I have. It is one of the most approachable for new people. First of all, it's a brilliantly designed game and all the mechanics flow together really well. Um, and it basically, it pretty much doesn't suffer from any of the, any of the common issues that I feel a lot of deck builders have, and especially the classic deck builders, uh, which is cool. But also there's stuff like the idea is that, you know, normal stuff, you start with the 10 card deck, you're plowing through your deck, you keep drawing it. And not all of your cards are beneficial. Everyone has two copies of Stumble, which gives you the anti-resource of Clank. It signifies that you are, you know, you're in, a, in your mad dash to get treasure. You're making noise. And the more noise that you make, the more likely it is that the dragon finds you and attacks you and deals you damage. And then if you take too much damage, you die and spill all your loot. Well, you don't die. You get knocked out, it says in the rulebook. Um, but, uh, but we all know what happens. Anyway, so... The house rule that I have is when you play a stumble, you have to make a noise as if you've stumbled. You can't say stumble. You have to make a noise. And there are no repeats. And so stuff like that really like helps people sort of break the ice with themselves. And then mm -hmm. there's also just goofy stuff like, you know, in the market row, something might come up that's called a, a singing sword. And it's really, really good at fending off all these monsters, but it makes noise. And the flavor text printed on the card is just careful. It's sharp, which makes me so happy. And so it's just like pointing out stuff like that. And then also the fact that like half of the rules I don't have to explain up front, I can explain them when they come up and Clank is really mm -hmm. good at presenting yeah. that and stuff like that. That's a really good, it's a really good blend of theme and mechanics as well as a really approachable version of a theme that on paper sounds super dense, which is very interesting. Let's talk about the the whole, specifically the layers of abstraction that we were talking about. And I know that there was a game specifically Jamie wanted to talk about. And then I would also oh love <laughs> after that to dive into, um, after they talk about that, dive into um, uh, some of the, both of you have games where you're trying to do this same thing with the simulation mm -hmm. of the levels of abstraction. And the, mm -hmm. so, um, so yeah. So if you, Jamie, want to talk about that game, I think oh my gosh. that's a good place to start. It was it was such an interesting experience. So I am an enormous fan of the video game Stardew Valley, very popular indie farming RPG. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this, you don't know what Stardew Valley is. It's uh, if you know what the Harvest Moon games are or the Story of Seasons, any of those farming life simulators. Stardew Valley mm -hmm. is an independent one, in my opinion, best in show. Best yeah, I mean the bunch. Lots of people would agree with you on that for sure. Yeah, it's very... <laughs> millions, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really good. A lot of lot. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things I love the most about Stardew Valley is there is no pressure when you play Stardew Valley. You make the pressure yourself. You might challenge yourself to like, mm, I want to finish repairing and restoring the community center in the first year that I play the game. That's a popular challenge. I don't bother with that. I You can move at your own clip. You can do whatever you want. It's very, very nice. And recently, I became the proud owner of the Stardew Valley board game, which had a first print run, sold out super fast. It was wild. Uh, the second print run is finally out. You can go buy it now. It's very cool. Um, and I just got it about a month ago. 
And I was very excited because I was like, mm, I love Stardew Valley. I've spent 300 hours total playing the video game. It's so relaxing. Such good stress relief. You go on the on the subreddit for Stardew Valley and like every fifth post is like, I was super stressed and depressed and then I played Stardew Valley and it helps me feel better. And it like helps me reduce my anxiety and stuff like that. And it's awesome. Uh, and I feel the same way. Stardew Valley is amazing. And the board game is so interesting to me because the board game has almost the opposite feel with the mechanics oh. that are in place. It is extremely stressful. It is in, it's a co-op game. It's an action economy worker placement co-op game. And so the idea is all of you are like the team of farmers that inherited the farm. So you're all help, helping each other out. And you can do all the normal Stardew Valley things. You can go explore the mine. You can farm crops. You can raise animals. You make friends with villagers. That's super important. You give them gifts. You make friends. You collect hearts. And the hearts are a very important resource that you need to find out what you need to donate to the community center to restore it. And in the video game, you have all the time in the world. In the board game, you have one year. You right. must do it in one year. You get there. You go through the four seasons, starting in spring, going all through winter. And in terms of game mechanics, each season is four rounds and each round, each player only gets two actions and there are strict limitations on what actions you can take. You either take two that are in the same spot. You have a few choices. There's a big map mm -hmm. or you take an action, move to one spot and take another action. And so you can't do a thing like in the morning, go way over to the West Coast of all of the like of the world map basically go to the west coast and do some fishing at the beach and then go up to the mines you can't do that in the board game because they're too far away and it's super super interesting because before i played my first game i read some reviews on it like on board game geek and the number mm -hmm. one complaint was how stressful it was and i was like i am a little skeptical because a lot of these people aren't familiar with the video game and then i got the game and i did a solo play and it was agony. It was very, very stressful. Yeah, because the thing about it is that you get 10 goals and you have to meet them all within a year or you lose if you miss even one of them. Wow. It's wild. And it's. There's also a lot of there's a lot of RNG in Stardew Valley, the video game. And that is fine because it's so relaxing. And so it's like, you know, if you go fishing and you catch only carp that day and it's like, all right, fine, whatever. I spent 10 minutes of my real lifetime catching carp and that's OK. And I'll just right. come back tomorrow. Uh, right. But if you in the board game, if you are like, wow, I really need these fish. I need to catch these fish. I'm going to roll these dice and I'm at the mercy of the dice rolls. And if I, I didn't catch anything, that's like, OK, that might make the difference between winning and losing. Uh, I say right. from experience where. I lost the solo game I played specifically because of dice rolls. <laughs> it was wild. Right. Anyway, and so it's, you have to be brutally efficient. And it really, like, it was very interesting. After having 300 hours in the video game of Stardew Valley, just playing the board game once, I was like, this feels exactly the opposite. And it's, it's interesting to me, both in the terms of, taking the mechanics of the video game and turning them into a board game and how much it got warped just for... So, like, it is a pretty faithful recreation of the board game in terms of the overall things that you do. You plant the crops, you water the crops, all this other stuff. Um, but, like, in Stardew Valley, the video game, 
all you do with the crops is you buy the seeds, you plant the seeds, you hoe the ground, you plant the seeds, and then you just water it every day. And that's all you have to do. And then once it's, you know, X many days, you know, parsnips grow in six days, six days of watering later, you have a parsnip. You don't have to worry about insects coming to eat your crops. You do have to worry about crows sometimes, but whatever. You build a scarecrow. It's fine. Scarecrows work in Stardew Valley. So um, you don't have to worry about bugs. You don't have to worry about the state of the soil ever. You don't have to worry about crop rotation. You don't have to worry about protecting your crops from weeds unless you plan poorly. It's there's a lot of stuff about actual farming that gets abstracted out in order to make a smooth play experience in the video game Stardew Valley. And then going mm -hmm. from the video game to the board game, the mechanics of farming in the board game is you have one row of, tie of tile slots. And when you buy seeds, they're all the same price. You put the tile in the thing. Mm -hmm. And then when you take the farming action, you water all the crops at once and they all just slide over. And if you plant crops on the first week of spring and you don't go back until the fall, those same crops are there just waiting to be watered and then you can collect them later. They don't wilt or anything, which I thought was very strange. They'll mm. stay in the winter and you can go in the winter and water them. Um, and it's also you can upgrade your tools, which is also true to Stardew Valley. You start with the basic tools. You get iron. You can make your iron pickaxe. You get gold. You make a solid gold pickaxe, and now it works better because it's gold, even though gold is a soft metal. Anyway, uh, and then there's iridium, which is like the fake metal that's like super adamantite platinum. And so if you upgrade your watering can in, in Stardew Valley, the board game, if you upgrade it the full way, you plant cauliflower seeds that take so, so long in real life and also in Stardew Valley. You take one watering action, now you just clear the entire row because it it like waters extra times and now you just collect mm. all the things. Mm -hmm. It's very, very strange. Thinking about how far down it got abstracted from actual farming into the board game. Interesting. Yeah. So, so it so, sounds like that's... Oh, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Micah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so it sounds like like the original... I have played the original video game, Stardew Valley. Um their level of abstraction still left room for the experience or the imagined, you know, romanticized experience of farming. Um, yes, exactly. The romanticized totally experience of farming is yeah. how I would describe it. And then that, but that like was a very totally fun lost. one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, then yeah. That I was, mean, I think, yeah, no, go for it. I think part of why it was lost is because of like the the sum of the parts of the board game being so stressful. Because mm. mm. it, it was also a stressful experience when I played with my housemates later on. That's the other part I forgot to mention. I played it twice. And I put in a bunch of house rules to try to make it less stressful, and we still almost lost. Mm. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. What, it, so, what I was going to say that I found really interesting was... Um, all the things you described about like, oh, if I have bad luck, basically like I lose this game that's supposed to be super chill. And so I was, I've never seen this game, like the Stardew Valley, like board game. So I just looked it up. Um, and so what really cracks me up about this is that the two designers on the game, uh, one of which is the designer of Stardew Valley, right? right. Uh, but the other one is the person who designed Gubs, um, which is billed as a game of wit and luck. And I played the game Gubs gubs uh which is supposed to be it's a game right game it's supposed to be just like a fun little like oh things are crazy these gubs they're like grubs but they're these little gubs and you're moving them around <laughs> and you're doing all this weird stuff with your hands and stuff like you know like trading them and stuff and i despised that game after one play because oh, it was wow. so stressful because 
yeah, it's I've quoted that game many times as the reason that I have the rule something has to be sacred when I'm playing a game. Like so, like I if I can lose my cards when they're on the table, then in my hand they should be safe, right? Oh. Something has to be sacred. Oh, if I'm making yeah. a plan, something has to not be able to completely destroy that. And there is a card in Gubs that's just trade hands, like <laughs> just. Oof. And like, so like everything I'm trying to do in the game is now screwed and everybody else we played the game with to the game's credit thought it was super fun. Um, I was super stressed the whole time uh, because of the randomness and the stress of trying to score the points before the game was over and then losing stuff. So to hear you say that about this Stardew Valley game and then see that this designer, I'm like, well, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, um, I just thought that was interesting um, that, you know, it, you know, it's a designer who enjoys games like that based on, you know, making a successful game like that, I would just assume. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's interesting that they chose to go in that direction. And I'm not even like, I'm not dissing the designer of the game. I'm not even saying the designer was a bad fit for the game. It sounds like the theme, like the, the their approach was a bad fit for people who've played the video game and and frankly too like uh, listening to you describe the video game i want to play the video game super bad oh it's amazing but if i'd played the board game first i wouldn't want anything to do with that video game because it sounds stressful enough like i love animal crossing like i'm a huge fan of animal crossing but the Mm -hmm. thing that stresses me out about animal crossing is anytime they have like a stupid festival or something like you have to like hurry and play a lot to get everything to try if you want to nice. collect it all and it's all random so like Oof. you may not get it all and Oof. so for somebody like me who has ocd and like i'm a like i want finisher i want to like it's not fun um so like that actually me i had to quit playing the game for a while to miss some things so that i could go back now and feel like it doesn't matter i've already missed so many things <laughs> that i don't need to worry about getting everything anymore um so so yeah, so these are some personal issues for me, but uh, I'm having some <laughs> feelings about this board game now. <laughs> Listen, I also have feelings about the board game. But you've it, at least played it. I have played it. I'm like, this designer made a game that made me anxious. <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with any game he designs. I will say, absolute. I recommend everyone plays the video game Stardew Valley. Yeah, I, I, need, I, I, I need a... Yeah like a stress-free game in my life. Um, and that sounds like it. So I- I'm probably yes. going to buy that game and play it. And pro tip, if you get it on PC, you can use uh, mods. And I, ah. my, my game has like a hundred mods, but even really vanilla Stardew Valley, it's like... How super, many super unicorns are there on your farm in Stardew Valley, Jamie? Uh, there's at least one. <laughs> so you can... You know, I have a mod that turns the the horse that you can get, and you can ride a horse around and mm-hmm. travel faster. But my horse is a unicorn. As With soon as you man. said mods, I was like, "There's a unicorn. There's at least yep. one." Yep. <laughs> so okay. So now, now I'm super curious because um, we have you know theme mechanisms, simulation, and all of its levels and whatnot. Yeah, and and what what I wanted to talk about is you know really what a lot of these conversations end up leading towards, which is just how can your mechanisms, how can your theme, how can your simulation, which is a little bit more of an abstract idea of a combination of 
you know, mechanisms and theme and whatnot. Uh, how can that all serve the experience you're trying to go for? You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and for myself, you know, I like simulation is really important to me. Um, I, I have a lot of ideas for games, but it's the games that have some sort of like, like tactile sort of trick to them that is trying to represent something. Um, those are the games that I end up making a prototype of and, and continuing with. Um, mm-hmm. Like what, Micah? That's a great question, Jamie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm a I'm a performer. I know how to think. <laughs> you know how to how to take cues. Um, I, I so I want to talk about. I wanted to at least touch on the uh, two different games that I'm working on most right now that that represent this. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one being Drift Club, and the second one being Untitled Fishing Game. Uh, oh, so... that's the best name. Also, uh, I I want to put a pin. Um, don't let me forget later on when you're done talking about them. I want to talk about. Um, using the concept of trying to increase the simulation experience as much as possible. Because for my game, I actually had the opposite happen, and I think it'd be interesting to explore later. Okay, all right. Yeah, so, um, yes, so a quick pitch of Drift Club is that it is a uh, physics simulation racing game where each player is uh, applying and manipulating and keeping track of the momentum uh, of their car and so the whole idea is you all have a little player aid and as you're hit on your player aid you have a little car and as you're hitting the gas you put a little green token in the direction the car is facing and then you might mm-hmm. try to steer so you're rotating that car around and you're doing all these things and then um, once you're done taking your actions uh, there's a little bit of simulation phase in the center where your momentum tokens you know your car's uh the tires are gripping the road, so you move the momentum tokens towards the direction your car is facing is. And then mm-hmm. finally, according to your player aid, you move your car on the center racetrack um, in the directions that you have momentum in. Um, and it's a really fascinating game because, uh, one, there's no randomness. It is, it is really, we're trying to get to the, you know, the simulation of driving and really making it feel like the driving and it's what we found is if you know how cars work if you are a racing buff if you like racing video games if you like watching formula d those play testers seem to catch on really quick about the game and everyone else (laughs) everyone else it is a challenging steep almost impossible learning curve like it i was is... <laughs> bewildered when i played it was awesome to see the game was incredible to witness because i i even knowing nothing about cars i could tell that it was an awesome simulation of actual cars and not like mario kart cars but the only racing game i've ever played is mario kart yeah. so i was confused as heck. same yeah, so so that was kind of a weird lesson because like, I'm designing that with a with a friend of mine, Meryl Balmer, uh, and we are just we right now we're putting all of our effort in how do we make this game easier to understand without sacrificing mm-hmm. this simulation. Um, oh, another pin for my game. I'm gonna talk about that as well. <laughs> oh boy. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. So that's been just a really fascinating lesson to learn. And then on the flip side, I'm working on Untitled Fishing Game which I ha- honestly I haven't been putting a lot of work into it lately because I'm kind of stuck. 
But I love, love, love the main, I'm going to call it the controller of the game. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the idea is each player is going to be given a fishing rod, which is just a card. And Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have your fishing rod in one hand, and you're going to have like three dice in the other hand, which represent fish. And so you're going to be taking actions with your card uh, and rolling dice. And depending on what actions you took and what you rolled, something's going to happen until eventually you catch the fish. Uh, And the idea is the way you take actions with your card is um, there's two different axes. You can either hold the card in front of you normally, and you're just holding the reel. You can pull it up towards you, and you're adding tension to the reel. Or you can put it out in front of you, and you're releasing tension to the reel. Okay, that sounds rad. Yeah, right? And then the other (laughs) axis has to do with your thumb. So if you have your thumb uh, on the edge of the card, you are letting the re- you know the line just fly. If you have right. your thumb near the top of the card, you're holding the line. You're holding and it. And if you oh, have your gosh. thumb at the bottom of the card, you're reeling it in. And so I am so ecstatic about this controller, but I have no idea how to build the rest <laughs> of the game. <laughs> Listen, sometimes um, all you need is just the one thing, and then the rest of the game gets inspired by it. Yeah, yeah. so this game, yeah, this has been a really interesting thing, especially because uh, I did a bunch of research for this game into, like, fly fishing, and then (laughs) I I reached out to the uh, fly fishing Reddit, and listeners, you could find this post, where I was like, hey, I have this idea, I want to make sure I'm getting, like, terminology right, and, like, you know, the, the, the relationship between you and the fish right, and so I did this whole post, and like five people posted and they're just like, this isn't fly fishing. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why, so what, what happened there? Why wasn't it fly fishing? I was so focused on the fight of the fish um, where you're trying to reel it in, but fly fishing is, that's only like 5% of fly fishing. Uh, what's Whoa. important to fly fishers is what, you know, what, line are you using what bait are you using what's the water temperature right now you know like they okay. want to take in the entire environment and then there's other people that are like you know fly fishing is only a part of why we do this we also just want to go hiking and see a sunrise and see an elk like like there was so much more meaning to fly fishing that i completely Whoa. missed um so that's kind of where that's... like my simulation kind cool. of failed in the sense of I was going for this very specific thing and it didn't meet that specific thing. But I do still think this mechanic could work as a simulation for a, a more general fishing experience. Right. You know? Yeah. That is, that's just, I'm floored by how cool of like a, a data point that experience is. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was honestly, it was kind of awe-inspiring just getting to talk with this yeah. people and whatnot. Um, and like someone was like, you should make Wingspan, the fishing game. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if yeah. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Wingspan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I would play it for great. the fish facts. Yeah. I'm excited about the bird facts and wingspan. That's like a main hook of the game that I've been told about. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I'm currently struggling with that fishing game, trying to figure out how do I, cause I don't think I have the energy right now, especially with going to school and whatnot and having other games I want to work on. I don't have the energy to try to build a robust simulation. Um, so I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I simplify this down so that it's a 
you know, almost beer and pretzels tile game where everyone is just sitting around the table with their own fishing line and a couple of dice and everyone is just at their own pace fishing or something. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. like, how do I do that without sacrificing something? I, I'm not sure. I think I need to do some like soul yeah, searching when I want right. this fair. game. But. Speaking from experience, and I'm sure Jason and also everyone else has been through this at least once, sometimes you just have to shelf an idea for now mm -hmm. and then come back to it. Like, let your subconscious come back to it at some point in the future. I had to design, because I've designed games other than fight sequence, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Uh, where, like, I didn't think about it for, like, three years, four years, something like that. And then a couple months ago, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I just thought of how to fix that thing I was struggling with, but I didn't think about it at all for mm -hmm. years, literal years. Yeah. And that's okay. Like oh, there's yeah. no, there's, it's like Stardew Valley. There's no timeline <laughs> for you to worry about unless you've literally signed a contract that says there's a timeline, in which case worry about that timeline be a professional. But, but outside of that, <laughs> you know, just move at your own pace. If it takes you 20 years to make a game. That's yeah. totally fine. Yeah. So, yeah. If you're stressing about it. No, no, I've honestly, I've moved on. I'm working on a, a zombie roll and write game, which has been great because Ooh. I can work on that uh, while also going to With school. With the best name ever. Yeah. Right to live. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Like um, WR. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Yeah. That game has been a lifesaver because I can do homework and then spend 30 minutes working on that game and feel actually make good progress on like other yep. games. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, so that's, nice. that's, that's the best when you can, when you have a little project that you can step to, to do that. Yeah. Everyone needs one yeah. of those. I think I, um, you know, so, you can just be like me. You could just keep adding new projects. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Highly recommend. Yeah. Oh, hundo percent. <laughs> or just feature creep your existing projects. Yeah. Yeah. Until they don't I, get made. Oh. I don't do that. I just add more projects <laughs> and then they, they get made because the, when I had more projects, I had more people and that, that works. My, because my, then my one, they force yeah. me to be motivated and I love it. Still, still my waiting for my stars. invitation to make a game with you, Jason. Still uh, waiting. First of all, get in line. No, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I should be saying that. <laughs> Jason finally has uh, has figured out how to interact with me. <laughs> Channel the troll energy. Say, yes, I would my, love my to work one with you on a game sometime. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> my one update for Scars of Ether is that I have this game right now as if it's a piece of wood, and I have a hatchet that I'm just like going to town, mm. just getting rid of. Sometimes you got to do that. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. Fun. But I want to go back. Jamie, you have two pins now. I had two uh, pins. Pin. All right. So, yes. All right. So let me see if I can remember what the pins are. One of the pins, the earlier pin, I don't know if I remember the later pin. You're going to have to help me out. But the earlier pin was um, mechanics or things that I was trying to add in to increase the simulation that failed. That's what I want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Like, that's yes. great. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so. I don't know. So I'm designing this game. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Fight Sequence. Yeah. Hmm? Uh, <laughs> jokes. So You're it's designing all I talk about it. What? <laughs> so Fight Sequence, I'm sure at least half the listeners already know this, but j just in case, I'll go over real brief. Fight Sequence is a two-player card game about psychics thinking about fighting. So the idea is that 
the two psychics are sort of like movie projectoring into each other's minds what a theoretical fight between them would be like. Kind of like, so you, it's sort of like a Super Smash Brothers kind of fight instead of a Mortal Kombat kind of fight. <clears throat> so there have been a number of things that I've tried over the years to increase the simulation because the the theme is very... Uh, forgive me for the pun, but it's very heady. <laughs> uh, it's it's a little out there. The theme's a little out there, and the and the mechanics are also a little uncommon. So there are uh, plenty of like two player fighting games that are card games, and they almost always revolve around rock paper scissors or a simultaneous reveal, and they're quick paced and stuff. Whereas my game is slower and more tactical. And you're building entire sequences that can be up to nine cards uh, together with the other person. So you could have five or six cards doing different things in the sequence, mm -hmm. changing the context of how the sequence is going to resolve. And then it all resolves in reverse, which is another big thing. And it's the sort of thing where I put in a lot of work to make the game accessible, yes. like rules wise. So newer players, players who aren't really familiar with games, can learn how to play the game, play their first game in half an hour, and then I see them learning the core strategies of the game in the first game, and then they play the second game and win. And so that part I'm not worried about. The issue is how to tie in the theme in ways that help sell and describe what I want players to like feel is happening as opposed to just i'm playing a card game i want them to feel like i am this cool sweet psychic character thinking about fighting which is rad maybe they could just think about playing the game and not play it yeah mm, that's a that plan because that plan <laughs> oh yeah that, plan that is, sucks. is not gonna keep my business afloat <laughs> it's true it's true not then that they i'm just think to about make buying money, it but... and don't <laughs> Um, rough. That's that's a really good question. Like, first of all, I think your theme is incredibly accessible. I mean, like, I know that I know that you see a ton of lore behind your theme. Yes, and that's great. And I think and that it, people who get really into the game will get really into it. But if I'm just a casual player, your description of say the thing you always say about people. It's a fighting game where people think about fighting. How do you say uh, that? The new tagline is it's a reverse action programming card game about psychics thinking about fighting. Oh, see, no, that's that's not good. Um, right. <laughs> that's less good than what did you used to say? It was just like uh, it's a game about psychics thinking about fighting or like that's the, the, that's the head to head the card battler of psychics thinking about fighting. That was the that, old one because like, it has that, two puns in it and I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh, I actually missed the puns. I've I'm so it's, it's head to head because it's psychic. Yeah, no, I and get it's it. Like it's thinking about fighting. So and I'm not Is like there other jokes we can explain. It's <laughs> 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 you know, the best jokes are the ones you have to explain. Oh, um, that's true. So, uh, <laughs> so OK, so I, your your other tagline is fine. But your other tagline is is very heady, right? I mean, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like, hey, here are all the crazy mechanics in this game. If I am somebody who doesn't, like, if I'm not a big game player and you want the game to be accessible, when you describe it in the way you did for the, the new way, I'm like, oh, ooh, gosh. Yeah. Like, but when you just say the yeah. part about thinking about fighting, I'm like, yeah. Like, and you're like, it's incredibly diverse and you, you sound so excited about it. And I'm yeah. like, I'm sold. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've, that that I've tried part... a lot of things. <laughs> Nothing has worked with right. the thing about it is that every time I come up with a new tagline, it doesn't work. It like it, it works for maybe three people. And then someone is like, I don't get it. I don't like it. It doesn't tell me what I want to know about the game. I'm like, mm, damn. <laughs> well, you have to think about, I think you really just have to focus on like, what, what, who, who do you want to hear that and get excited? Right. You know, do you want like heavy gamers to hear that and get excited? Or do you just want like, I mean, I, I think that part of it is understanding who the game is for and like what the simulation of the game is meant to be, right? I mean, this is something we talked about before we were recording. Uh, we we're just kind of getting ready. Like the idea of like a simulation of a Euro where it's like you're doing these things, right? And it's very, very like meticulous. And um, and then the simulation of something like this where it it's, it's less of that, right? But it allows you to engage with it more. Um, so it's the kind of that level of abstraction, right? Um, yeah. So I... I think that you really have to focus on like who's the game for and what do you expect out of that? You don't know. I mean, Micah, back me up here. Am I, am I sounding crazy? (laughs) You're not sounding crazy. The thing about it. Oh, I'm sorry. You said Micah back you up. My bad. I have responses though. I I am backing you up. I knew you would. That's why I didn't even get to the thing about the immersion that failed. I didn't even get to the main point yet, but I'll loop back to it. Don't worry. I didn't forget. Yeah, uh, so I'm in. I'm kind of two different directions. Uh, first direction, the Jason direction. Uh, yes, <laughs> I agree that um, you're not going to find the right tagline uh, for everyone. And I mean, that's just like marketing stuff. You know, who, who's your audience? Which I know you are already sensitive of. Um, um, yeah. Well, that's the thing I want to say is that the big thing is that there's always been two audiences, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. want. They're on. They're. They're not mutually exclusive for sure mm-hmm. but the marketing for them is very different because mm-hmm. I've, I've tried a bunch of different versions of the tagline where it's like i throw in a diverse cast it is a game about a diverse cast of psychics thinking about fighting and there are plenty of people that are just like they don't know what that means or they don't care which is a total bummer for a lot of other different reasons but one of the big things about it is that like i want to make it very clear that like the cast is for like the game is for people who want more diversity in games as well as who want a good card game. Yeah. Right. But I think that those, I, those two groups are not mutually exclusive. They're not, but there are people within one of those groups where it is mutually exclusive, right? Yes. There are people that want a good card game, but well, they don't, they don't need all of, all of that diversity stuff in their game. Right. Well, I would um, say I would say on the other side as well. There, like if you look at all of the queer gamers that exist, all of the diverse gamers, not just the queer gamers, but I, I that's just you know the whole cast is queer, so that's the right. first thing I think of. Right. All of the all of the gamers that don't fit the straight cis white male mold that is you know the majority that is rapidly you know shrinking, which is good. But anyway, you look at them and it's <laughs> like there are so many. Like, though they play every kind of game amongst them. And so I'm not marketing to all of them either, because if someone's rolling up and is just like, I just want to play party games. It's like, well, you won't like my game, even though it has queer characters. It's it's not the game for you because okay, it's not okay. a party game. Okay. And so. Okay. So I've been trying to figure out, like, how can 
because we we can't mechanically increase the the simulation, right? Like you have a so that's that's the thing I didn't even get to yet. <laughs> so I've well, tried you, things. To why don't you explain that and then let's because then yeah, we're yeah. all on the same page. <laughs> So Jamie's just withholding information. Oh my gosh. Being like, Your feedback's so wrong. <laughs> we di- we digressed. We digressed too much. I know it's an issue it's that I have because I just talk so much. <laughs> so we're good. We're good. the thing that caused me to think about putting a pin in where I said the pin, Jason was talking about there need there need to be some things that are sacred in his games. And then also talking about like mechanics can help increase the simulation. Mm-hmm. In this game about psychics thinking about fighting, I have thought, how can I incorporate more of a psychic feeling? Because that's one of the big pieces of feedback that I got. It just feels like a fight. It doesn't feel like psychics thinking about fighting. Because oh. the psychic powers are very abstracted out. It's not like telekinesis, right. pyrokinesis, mind reading, stuff like that. It's not that. It's very abstracted out. Push. The idea is I'm pushing with my mind into your mind. I'm giving you a headache or something because I'm pushing down on your brain. I don't know. Something like that. Intercept, push, pressure, things like that. Those are the sort of names of psychic attacks. For a while, I was trying to more directly apply psychic powers. And one of the big things that people were confused about is like in this game about psychics thinking about fighting, I'm psychic and I'm already in your brain. And yet I can't see what you're doing until you do it. And I have thematic reasoning for that. But I did try that sort of telekinesis of like, here are some abilities that will reveal your opponent's hand or something. And they were universally the least liked mechanics I've ever designed. Yeah. For the I game. mean, that's in that's. I, I think that like some of that feels like you could reduce the abstraction just with name changes, right? Like if it's mm-hmm. like push, like you're pushing into their mind. I mean, if that was infiltrate or like something like, you know, just like a, uh, you know, a, a jazzier word, right? That like <laughs> makes you feel like, like, oh, I see what I'm doing here. Um, you know, like just words that really fe- you can feel the word when you hear it, right? Yeah. Um, push sounds gentle. Push sounds like, I mean, shove sounds like you know, but still, that's not what you're doing, right? So yeah, I mean, I I think. To me, it sounds like you really need to get down the core of like, hmm. like thematically, what is what is happening in the fight? Like if if we were watching the fight, even if we could see into their minds, like on this movie projector screen, what are we seeing happen? Right. Are we seeing hmm. two little versions of them fight? Are we seeing like, you know, like just them going. Mm, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. OK, uh, two things. Um one, I think physical attacks and magic attacks might be working against you in that regard because physical attacks is a physical attack. I'm punching you. And if I have all of these physical attacks, um, I'm punching you. And it, it tells me that I'm punching you. And I know that what you're trying to say is, you know, we're, I'm thinking about punching you, but there, there's a part of me that wonders. <laughs> I'm thinking about punching you. <laughs> uh, I, I think that is whether or not something that you need to change uh, just recognizing, like, I think that's a stumbling point um, for people. Uh, the other, and this is a little bit more like, uh, this might be a really bad idea you ignore. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm wondering, <laughs> you don't have 
you don't have moments in the game where you're reminded necessarily that you are just thinking. Like, is there a way that, is there a really small single action or something that a player can do where they are interacting with the other character in the quote-unquote physical world that is separate from the sequence? And I don't love that I, as a from a game design standpoint because that's, you know, <laughs> adding... Yeah, I don't know how it. I would include that mechanically or thematically if i'm being honest yeah yeah i guess my what the reason i was going down that line of thought was just the idea of as a player i'm not being reminded that there's a difference between my character and my character's uh imagined version that's doing the fighting if that makes sense right yeah yeah and that was for a long time that was the sort of thing where i was like "Mm." I think I'll just keep it vague because it's not like, it's not the sort of thing that I feel like I can, or I guess I'm keeping it vague mechanically, mm-hmm. but I want to push the theme more. Mm-hmm. Now I'm realizing the value of it. And it might be the sort of thing where I cannot push it mechanically because the mechanics are done. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. not the me- the mechanics have been done for a year. I'm not changing <laughs> how the game works. <laughs> and that's <laughs> fair. That's honestly, um, yeah. But uh, but the issue is in how I'm describing the game, for sure. Like, not even just from a marketing standpoint, but like within the context of the game mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the other thing I wanted to talk about, I just realized, is um, levels of abstraction. And it, like levels of immersion is uh, what I mean to say. Because I tried doing the thing, it didn't last super long, but I tried doing the thing of like renaming terms to make it more obvious what the theme was. And that was also annoying Mm. and got like solely negative feedback across the board where it's like, you don't draw cards, you draw thoughts because the cards are representing your thoughts that Mm. are happening in this mental battle. Stuff like that. But you, but, but you can say thought cards and say, draw thought cards. And that gives you the immersion while still (laughs) calling them thoughts. Like that's the kind of thing. I will always, in every game I have, I will always attempt, sometimes badly, to name (laughs) everything so that I can refer to it as something thematic. And sometimes it's awful and sometimes it doesn't work. But, like, I try really hard to do that because, you know, um, because it matters. It really does help immerse immerse you, I think. So. Yeah, it's 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 sort of like icons. It's very easy to over icon a thing. Yes. And that's what I found out with my turns. It's very, yes. it's way too easy to overturn. But But I mean, you have to call them something, right? Like what do you say now? Just draw cards? Yeah, like... I just say cards. Could you Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I guess if you only have one deck of cards, you can do that. Like I'm used to not I'm used to having more than that. So I was yeah. going to make an art suggestion, but that's bad because adding more art is not on your uh, table right now. <laughs> I mean, technically I have... Start uh, over. Oh, God, no. I'm kidding, I, I'm kidding. I would never do that. The art's amazing. No, I, have, I know I it technically is, but... have a little tiny swing budget for art. So I'm... if your art suggestion is, I would like this one piece of art. It's not. <laughs> I'm well, <damn>. No. <laughs> it's you know, it's that suggestion they're like, this is not what they want to hear. Uh, so I just yeah. Is there a way 
I don't know. I, I guess my mind was just going like, is there a way to get to show the characters because you ha- a lot of them are in their battle gear, whatever that may be, at ev- every time they're shown. And so it's like, well, could that be changed specifically? They're in their battle oh. gear when they're fighting, and they're not in their battle gear on the box art. You know, on the. Uh, you not. will be pleased to inform that that is already a, a plan that is in progress, okay. literally right now. Cool, because I, I think that's that might help at least a little bit. Yeah, but the, the thing is that stuff like that is like people who are in it just for the mechanics aren't going to go look for the big images that are going to be in the rulebook of the characters. True. In what what are they doing, and what do they look like when they're not in fights? Loungewear. Which is exactly the thing. What? In loungewear. In I mean, loungewear. could there yes. could there pajamas? You know, the little character cart that explains you know attack utility, how many willpower cards they have oh yeah yeah the info part. card yeah on the other side of the info card yeah that's also where it's going to be for sure okay okay yeah it, but, it's tricky because you have a game that's so done you know at yeah. least as far as its structure well, goes and so it's i guess the issue i'm running into now is yeah the mechanics have been done and i've had the flavor in my mind for so long and i'm like mm-hmm. oh yes i know exactly how to represent it and so one of one of the big things about fight sequence art for anyone out there in radio land who hasn't seen it is every single piece of card art only has the character that is acting mm-hmm. and doesn't have a character being attacked nobody is actually seen being attacked so that was one of the things where i was like hey it's a game about thinking about fighting it's not actually violent as evidenced by no actual violence occurs in the game ever, uh, except against a, a punching bag. There's a recurring character of a punching bag that a bunch of characters beat up, yeah, but yeah. that's it. Could you you recurring character of a punching bag? <laughs> yep. So I feel bad for the punching bag. Could suddenly. you use shiny Listen, there's going to be an April Fool's set <laughs> announcement. Uh, not this year, but probably next year, where the punching bag is a character and it's going to show like all the other characters like running away from the menace of the punching bag. Anyway, Can it's going to get its revenge. Can you foil on your cards to write out the words, this is a game about fighting on every single card? <laughs> then it's foil, so it's not distracting. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, because foil isn't distracting or expensive. Also, it's really cheap. I heard to put on cards super cheap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spoil it up. <laughs> Just do oh a bunch gosh. of spot UV on the cards. <laughs> oh my gosh. An actual thing that I saw, someone followed me on Instagram. Another game designer followed me on Instagram. And every time a game designer follows me on Instagram with their game, I go and I check it out. And the, all the, the first like nine posts that I saw, the nine most recent posts were, here's a game designer. They're not established at all. They haven't put out a game yet. And all of these posts are about NFTs for the game that like here is the art with a foil background and stuff like that and i'm like what <laughs> yes i was building the game does not support nfts in any uh, way we do think you like NFTs, good for you but we don't yes it's it's that joke that you realize is not a joke to some people and you're like ah dang it <laughs> right yeah <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. oh boy so <laughs> in conclusion um we Same have no we have NFTs. no idea how to help you with your game and i'm so sorry jamie great but i feel like we helped mike <laughs> a bit yeah that was good i feel like i have it was good i have said so many words that i've had half ideas on that i'm like oh that's a good idea and listen even just getting yet more people who have done this for a while saying mm, just work on your marketing it's like mm, maybe that's all there is to it 
maybe that's all well, there is to it. The other thing you'll get from this is hopefully some of the, the, the builders out there who are in the Discord channel, which should be everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I we tend to get feedback uh, about stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. if you're in the Discord channel or you want to join the Discord channel, uh, talk to Jamie because they would love to have your thoughts on this, especially if you can yeah. solve the problems without making them spend a bunch more money. <laughs> I have a very limited budget for now um and yet speaking of i am one of the people who will give you feedback yeah i i, I am a yes, feedback yes. giver i just gave um i just gave michael wasbrock like a, a page and a half long essay on oh, his I sell sheet people like this looks really good i like this change this one thing and you were like <clears throat> and then the keyboard yeah. was literally on fire by the time you finished so <sighs> It, yeah. I love it, I, love it. <laughs> I I don't hold back, but I try my best to not hold back nicely. <laughs> yes. No, you're but you're always very kind said. with your feedback. And I try my best. Thing. I really want to show you Scars of Ether, but I want to play test it with like four <laughs> other people before I show you to get to the That's point fair. where it's like, okay, I have no more thoughts. <laughs> okay, Jamie, you give me <laughs> I I've played it before, but it was like eons ago at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. No, I <laughs> maybe over spring break, I'll do a big push to try to get it, get the next iteration. There we go. Up. I'm on iteration six. You played iteration two. Uh, mm. That's fun. Mm. That's fun. I wow. really wish I kept a better track of what iteration of fight scene I'm on. <laughs> I it must be like at least a 77. dozen at this point. I just 77, a, yeah. I say a new iteration like when I feel like it. I'm just like, eh, this feels like it's different enough. Yeah. <laughs> just slap a new number. Oh my God. The number of so here, the number of times it took me like scrapping and rewriting basically the entire game formula. Wild. Oh, I'm sorry. I just clicked my mic thing. It's okay. It's, I clapped earlier. Speaking of mechanics that don't tie into the theme. So in fight sequence, you can do combo attacks called chains, which is where you play multiple cards in one action slot. Chains used to have this mechanic where the um, you had to play them in a specific order and they staircased upwards as you went in damage, like in bonus damage. So the mm-hmm. one that resolved first was always the one that was in front of the stack, got plus one damage, and then the next one got plus two, and then the next one got plus three. That didn't work. No. Not even at all. No, I can see why. Uh, also, for a while in fight sequence... Uh, physical and magical attacks used to be split up into subtypes, which is a thing. Mm. This is a sacrifice that I made because this fit the theme better. So the two types of magical were like magic and psychic. Like that's what they were called because magic was like, I'm throwing a fireball at you. And psychic was, I'm infiltrating your mind to damage your brain or something or whatever. Um, so that was actually clearly laid out in the icons. But I was like, I don't I don't need seven different attack types. <laughs> I, can, yeah. I can just do two. <laughs> can you, like sure. the defenses were already working on all of them. Can, so, you, can yeah. you change physical damage to left brain damage and magic damage to right brain damage? <laughs> for you. Just for you. For the one copy that gets shipped <laughs> to your house. I'm not even going to make new icons. I'm just going to Sharpie over all of them. <laughs> just pull out all the cards. I'm going to open it from the shrink wrap. Sharpie on every card. Put them back in in a random order. You're going to have to sort them on your end. It's only fair. <laughs> oh, I think... I think... <laughs> I think we've, uh, <laughs> oh, I think we've gone far away from simulation at this yes. point. I'm so yeah. sorry. Uh, whoops. I think <laughs> I think we've made it to a great point uh, for the end of the show. 
this was a long one, but I, I, I do hope everybody got some stuff out of it. I know that I found some interesting pieces in this and, um, and this is a tough topic to try to really like understand well, um, because mm-hmm. yeah, because it's, it's a huge topic and there are so many facets to it. I mean, I think we, oh, yeah. we kind of talked about it like, Oh, look at like, here are problems. Here's how you fix them. And then you talk about your own games and it's like, Oh crap. It's yeah. so much harder when it's personal. <laughs> what I've learned is that there's nobody that can help me and I'm doomed. That's <laughs> <laughs> so you just decided to take on the C3PO aspect of it. We're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. All right. Well, this has been fun. Uh, listeners, I hope Heck you've yeah. enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com. Oh, yeah. You can email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at PodcastBTG. I am at J.A. Slingerland. Jamie is at 3XRainbowGames. Micah is at CardboardBones. Uh, of course, you should join our Discord. You can find that at our website, too. Come to our Discord. Come to weekly meetups. Come hang out with us. Have lots of fun. Um, yeah. Interact but, uh, with us live. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, all right. Yes. Everybody together now. Building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. It's time <laughs> for building friends. the game with Jason uh. and friends. I've been practicing my singing voice. I, it's very nice. It's the it, You're singing the intro, not the outro. But, uh, I always forget the outro. That's fine. I'm going to be That's honest. Fair. It's because it's just it's building the game. Building, building the game. game. Building, building the game. The game. Okay. Dial seven. Something about please don't use the email, but people actually email you now, and the they phone do. doesn't work. Anymore. Mostly, they email me from video game companies to ask if they can be on the show, and I say nice. the same response every time: "We are yeah. a board game podcast." <laughs> That's my whole response, and sometimes they reply back and say, "Sorry," <laughs> but usually they just don't, and mm-hmm. then sometimes they say, "Would you be able to have this guest on?" And if I'm feeling frisky, I say. Yes, the cost is seven thousand dollars. <laughs> so far, no takers. Dang, unfortunate. <laughs> but if they ever say yes, we're gonna have like a BTG holiday. It's gonna be great. Yeah, get away to the Bahamas. Yes, <laughs> yes. record oh. episodes live from the yes. from the Philippines. <laughs> we will have BTG Con. Yes. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> that would be that sounds. That actually so, sounds awesome. I we should do that. It, it would be cool. Yes. And there online have been con. discussions. Much there cheaper. have been discussions. I've never about been trying to figure out a way to get us all together. Forward. So, I look forward to but it. all right, for real this time. Please come back every week, including next week. But until oh. then, good night. <laughs> good night. Bye. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial seven seven zero. Tell BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>